This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we build professional development systems to help engineers and their firms grow. You can now download our recently published AE Industry Trends Report, which contains answers to the following questions. How long will the great resignation last? Are firms still allowing remote work and how is it affecting their productivity? How are successful firms using data to create people-centric cultures? You can find answers to these questions and more in our latest report, which you can download at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. In this episode, I'll be talking with Nikhil Bodonker, PELC Lead AP and Principal at Bergman Architects, Engineers, and Planners, which joined Collier's Engineering and Design in 2021. Throughout his career, Nick has dedicated himself to advancing the engineering profession through mentoring and promoting global student research collaboration. And in this episode, he's specifically going to talk about his career development journey his path to a principal in a consulting firm, a leader in the engineering field. And he really does a great job in this interview of breaking down some real action items and real steps that you can take to be an established, trusted leader in the field of engineering. In fact, he summarizes them at the end of the episode in the Take Action Today segment. Now, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Anthony Fasano. I was the original host of this podcast. I'm a licensed professional engineer who practiced as an engineer but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book entitled Engineer Your Own Success and have traveled the world helping engineers become better managers and leaders. Before we dive into the episode for today, I would like to remind you that at the Engineering Management Institute, we build professional development systems to help engineers and their firms grow. What is a professional development system? Typically, a PDS consists of a variety of benefits and programs focused on attracting, developing, and retaining top talent in the industry. For example, some of the components of a PDS might include a content sponsorship across our platform to put your organization in front of top talent. Maybe you enroll some of your team members in our learning and development programs, project management, people leadership, or business development. Or we can work with your firm and customize some of these programs and create a company-specific program. Or maybe as part of your PDS, we build career roadmaps and pathways for your employees to follow. If you are not building a professional development system for your organization that's focused on attracting, developing, and retaining top talent, then your firm will have a difficult time growing sustainably for the long term. To learn more, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and click on the button to learn about our three-step process for building your professional development system. Now it's time for our conversation with Nikhil Bodonker. All right, now let's jump into the main segment of our episode. Today I have with me Nikhil Bodonker, principal at Bergman Architects, Engineers, and Planners, which joined Collier's Engineering and Design in 2021. Nick, welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, great to talk to you. And uh, I remember the last time we talked was almost a decade ago, 10 years ago. And uh, it's so good to capture some of the elements, what happened in the last 10 years and meet with you again. It was about 10 years ago that I interviewed on one of our original podcasts on the topic of volunteering and community involvement. 
And back then, Nick, you were a lead engineer. And of course, a lot has happened in the past decade. Can you catch us up a little bit on your career journey since that time? I know 10 years, a decade is a, is a long time and time jets, doesn't it? I believe, you know, at that time I did work as a lead engineer with the engineering consulting firm and worked really on a variety of uh, markets, aviation, rail, research and development uh, institutes, just to name a few. Among those, I think the research and development institute really uh, caught my attention. The scientists and engineers were working on some of the most unique projects and sometimes, quite frankly, the only project in the world of its type. You get to learn so much on those projects. And that's exactly what happened with me. I really was lucky to be working and fortunate to be working on such projects. And uh, they can be fun and at the same time challenging. So it it has a good mix of both. That's kind of like drove me. So not only you get to work on the technical and engineering aspects on those type of projects, which are something very unique, but then you get to work daily with the trades and the unions who are actually, you know, building this. Frankly, I think you get to see projects built by some of the best tradesmen in the industry. And there is so much learning that happens when you're there daily, right from your design bench to the field. We say the people with the wrenches, you know, the people with the technical acumen to envision it and and get it built. I think I was very lucky to get that experience. And then fast forward 10 years later, I am still consulting with that client, working on some really cool projects. And in that process, I have now brought in much more disciplines involved, architectural, engineering, geotech, survey, mechanical. You know, So now we are providing a complete engineering solution to the same very research and development client that I worked 10 years back and continue to enjoy working. During the 10 years, I found other interests, other industries, such as within the science, technology, and industry, such as biopharma, semiconductor. As you know, uh, those industries are booming, and therefore there's a need for infrastructure design uh, engineers. And we found kind of like a unique place for us to bring up and gain that expertise in those industries. That's for, you know, a little snapshot of what 10 years happened. I know we talked about community and volunteering back then. And, you know, I have continued to give back to the community and be involved in the technical societies. That is something that has uh, not changed. And I don't anticipate that ever changing because that is really fulfilling. And some of the societies that I have worked in different capacities, for example, I have written articles, developed IEEE standards, IEEE is the Institute of um, Electrical and Electronics Engineers, or exam development with NCEES, which is the National Council of Examiners uh, of Engineering for Engineering and Surveying. Volunteering your technical expertise in and giving back to future cities and such organization where it's a variety of realm of volunteer work is what I've thoroughly enjoyed throughout the 10 years. I have to mention personal developments that have happened. You know, so personally, I'm a proud dad of two wonderful kids. My son, Ayan, he just turned eight yesterday. My daughter, Anya, who will be turning 
sex and really grateful to have my wonderful wife, Kay, alongside throughout all this amazing journey. So I count my blessings every day. Congratulations on the two kids. That's great. And really, congratulations on all your success. I mean, you're a principal in a consulting firm, which I think a lot of our listeners are striving towards. They have a goal of becoming a principal in a firm. And I think a couple of things you said there are really important. One, getting that field experience, being able to see things being built, get out in the field, whatever your field is. It could be electrical, mechanical, civil, get out there in the field. That's hugely important. And I think the other thing that you said, Nick, that I like to talk about a lot is if you develop good client relationships, so much work can just come out of one client. So many opportunities can come out of one client, especially when you work for a multidisciplinary consulting firm like you do, where you have all the resources behind you to be able to service that client. So that may be something for all of you out there just considering. Some of you may be thinking about what type of company you want to work for. Some of you may work for a multidisciplinary firm, but you haven't tapped into the resources of the other disciplines. You haven't gotten to know them yet. And so I think that's really important. In fact, one of the things that I think is important is sometimes multidisciplinary firms don't educate their employees on all of the different divisions and services that are available, which sometimes unfortunately leaves a lot of money on the table. So a couple of really important points there. Being that a lot of our listeners Nick, probably want to become principals in the firm. They want to become leaders in their firm. Talk a little bit about the role that mentors have played in your career development, because I know that most leaders that I talk to in engineering tell me that they wouldn't be where they are if they didn't have mentors. You're absolutely right there. Mentors have played a significant role in my career development, actually both professionally and personally. These mentors have made me a better person today than I ever was, in my opinion. And at the same time, a better professional today than I was. Some of my mentors have retired and some are leaders and some are people that I just admire. They admire their qualities and they've become these best friends and well-wishers for you. There's a good brainstorming and advising that happens in mentorship and having those right mentors. And it's not just one mentor. It could be multiple mentors. And it, mentors can be variety of people. They could be your siblings. They could be your parents. They could be your colleagues. So I think to seek out those mentors who have experience or the qualities that you admire or do you aspire to be, that is important. And I was very lucky to have some really good mentors who have advised me professionally to how to become a better person Along the way, just help me with my skills, you know, grow my knowledge, grow my skills. At the end of the day, it's about life's lessons that you can learn from their experience, you know, and there's a reason that you're admiring them, you know, looking up to them. If they can kind of pull you along with them and teach you a thing or two, I think that is something that is very important. And an engineer should, I think, or any professional or any person in that matter should always aspire to have that type of mentorship relationship because uh, a great mentor can take you places is the catch line that I believe in. Again, I've been extremely lucky to have, you know, great mentors, friends around me. I come back to the same point you said that I don't think I would be where I am without them. That's good to hear from you. And a couple of things I just want to touch on there based on what Nikhil said about mentoring, which is 
first of all, if you're trying to find a mentor, usually there's mentors within your own company that you can find, you know, look for someone that's in a position that you're maybe aspiring to become or to, to be in. But also you can go through your professional associations. Nikhil mentioned before how active he is, how involved he is, IEEE, different associations. You can find mentors in those organizations often that want to give back and want to help you. And really, I like what Nick said about personal mentoring as well. I mean, I think if you're going to aspire to become a principal or a leader in a consulting firm, especially, you'll probably work a lot of hours through certain periods of your career. It can be high stress work. And so having a personal mentor to guide you through some of those challenging times and remind you just, you got to stay focused on yourself, you got to stay physically fit, that can be very beneficial in helping someone kind of get to that goal. So always just thinking about the professional side of it isn't the best thing. You want to think about the personal side of it as well, um, or else that might kind of get lost in the mix. So some really good points there. Now, Nick, let's get back to talking about clients a little bit. You mentioned that you had a really big client and that was like really important for you in your career and your career development. When you deal with clients, because this is something that probably a lot of our listeners are maybe going to start doing or getting into, how do you really work to gain your client's trust, which is such an important aspect of growing that relationship? First and foremost, that comes in any client is the trust. And you nailed it right in the question itself. Like, how do you build that aspect? One of the things that jumps instantly at me is staying positive, positive thinking, the optimistic approach. Not just in business, but as well as life in general, I think positive thinking generally is always welcome. And I believe this becomes the greatest asset in establishing that trust with the client is when the client can lean on to you for that positive energy, positive approach towards either a project or a problem or what clients are in need of at that time. Secondly, I think recognizing the client's need is equally important. So basically through effective communication and clear communication and then catering to those needs. Clients are, you know, very busy people, just like they have their own schedules and their own timelines and agendas. So when working with clients, I feel that, you know, working with them as a partner gives that sense of togetherness rather than us versus them. So us as consultants versus them as clients. So I think Those are the two things that I think instantly jump at me is staying positive, positive thinking, and then understanding the needs of the client, and then making sure that you are providing them the partnership, the togetherness comfort, rather than seeing them as a separate entity and us versus them. So I think those are the two things that jump at me that I believe is helpful in establishing that trust. And then, of course, doing the good work for them, finding solutions for them. Honestly, at some point, if you don't know the answer to everything that comes your way, it's, I think, okay to say that we don't know the answer to it right away, but we will go and find out. And that's where the problem-solving aspect of your relationship with the client comes in, because the client has a need. You may not have the solution instantly, but that willingness of staying positive and finding a creative solution to the issues that they're facing, because those issues you're thinking as your own issues, your partner, you're together on this. There's a trust that the clients build on that. And I think what you said there earlier, too, about the communication and clearly communicating to them and the regular communication to them, and also communicating to them in a way that is not overwhelming. Like you said, they're busy like everybody else. And I think even taking the time to write the emails the right way, maybe itemizing them effectively, 
I think that goes a long way with trust because if you're not communicating to someone clearly and effectively, especially when you're talking to them about their projects, then they can't trust you. They need to know what's going on and you need to let them know what's going on in a timely manner. And again, without necessarily overwhelming them, giving them kind of the key points. So I do think that that's so critical in building trust because I know that for me, clients have told us that, hey, we like working with you just because the communication is clear. And that's just so important. And I think it's not automatic today. Anthony, you said it right. One of the things that jumps at me when you said about the key points is when you clearly communicate, you know, the concept of brevity comes in here, that if you can write two paragraphs worth of stuff in maybe two or three sentences, summarize it for the client. I think clients really appreciate that rather than writing pages and pages worth of information. Because in today's day and age, you know, <laughs> I think with Reddit, they use the TLDR, too long, didn't read. <laughs> this is all the new age thing I'm learning as well. There's certain truth to that. On a multidisciplinary big project, they want to see some summary and, and any critical obstacles and resolutions. But if you are not doing that and writing a thesis on it, but really crux of the matter can be explained in very few sentences. As a partner, you can help client with that. You can help process that information. And again, coming back to clear and concise packaged communication, and that's where it's at. So I know this explanation was a little bit more longer than I wanted to, but really the background is how you package that information, all that engineering that is going on in a project and put it in a concise manner for the client. That is a huge asset. People can only have so much time in a day. They need to decide what they want to focus on. If your stuff is easy for them to focus on, they're going to give it the attention it needs. If it's overwhelming, they're, going to, they're not going to read it and then they're not going to build that trust with you and connect with you. So it is really important. One of the other things you said there at the end of your answer before, which I think is also important, is you build trust by delivering great projects, right? Delivering on the technical side of projects. And I think sometimes we forget about that. We have a seller doer, like a business development course here at EMI that we give. And one of the sessions is focused around delivering great client service, because at the end of the day, that is business development. Because if you do a great job for a client, you're going to get repeat work. They're going to come back to you. They might even mention you to someone else. And I think sometimes when we think about building new business and getting new clients, we forget that like, you got to deliver great service. And I know from my times when I worked at Mazur, which Collier's is now Collier's, of course, that was a big message to us all the time was customer service, client service equals repeat business. And I think that that's a big part of trust. Absolutely. Yes. I think the best marketing you can have is the word of mouth, which is, you know, the word of your project, the word of your deliverables. There's nothing that can top that. We're going to take a real quick break and then we're going to come up and wrap up by going into our take action today segment with Nikhil. All right, I'm back with Nick Bodonker, Principal at Bergman Architects, Engineers, and Planners, which joined Collier's Engineering and Design in 2021. And Nick has been nice enough to talk to us a little bit about his journey to principal in a consulting firm, talked a lot about client relationships. We've talked a lot about mentoring and development. And Nick, what we like to do here at the end of our episodes is we like to distill everything down to some real action items or an action item. So a lot of our listeners want to become principals. They want to become leaders in their organizations. 
based on everything we talked about today, what is something that you think that they can do that's realistic for them to do here in the next couple of weeks to kind of move this forward for them? If our listeners are in their early careers, my advice would be is to continue getting that diverse experience and continue to seek knowledge, continue to look for what excites them every day and work on projects. That's number one. Number two, if it doesn't matter whether you're early career or mid-career, getting involved in a community. And what you could pick whatever it is. It is. It could be future cities. It could be engineering related. It could be construction related or something that you're passionate about in getting involved in boards, getting involved in committees, getting involved in writing articles or in a committee with developing a standards. That will really help you as you know, discussed in our podcast on a personal as well as on a professional business level. I think the third is continue to find that mentor that you admire and gain knowledge from their experience. And that mentorship could be within your firm. There could be mentorship programs. I know, you know our firm strongly encourages that. And I'm sure other firms are there or even joining boards, you can find mentors who are already serving the board and they could be your mentors. So this, the mentors can be in different realms. So those, I believe, can be the three action items that uh, anyone can immediately put in action. On the client side, if you're approaching any projects, staying positive and making sure that you read your email and see if there is some information that you could dense and make it easy for the client, make your communication more effective and clear. So continuing to work on that is also something that these things can, some of these can be cumulative. So as long as you are making an effort every week, checking on yourself, whether you're doing better every week, I think that will help. You can only look back after a year in review and see whether you implemented that and how did it work. So, but at least I think for starters, these are, Three to four things can be done right away. Let me quickly recap those. So number one, make sure what you're doing is something that you're interested in, excited about, passionate about. That is really important to keep yourself engaged and keep you happy in the workplace. The second one is find that mentor. And whether it's someone within your company, someone within an association, find that mentor and have them help and guide you and, and take their advice and ask them questions. And lastly is to stay active in the community. And I would say not just to join associations, but to be active in them. Get on a committee, take a leadership position on. That's really going to help you in your career in terms of becoming a leader. And then the kind of bonus one there at the end was to work on those communication skills to help you interact with your clients more effectively, because that's just going to help to make you more valuable to yourself, to your company, and so on and so forth. So with that, Nick, I want to thank you for coming back on the podcast again. It's been a decade, but I think it was worth the wait. We got some great information here. Thank you so much for sharing some of what you've learned with our listeners. Thanks, Anthony. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Nick today. I've known him for a long time. He's a great engineer and he's a great person. And I really believe in the steps that he preached throughout this episode and the actions that he recommended taping. They will really help you grow as a professional and as a person. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, or questions on this episode. You can visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Please check out our latest publication, our AE Industry Trends Report. It answers some of those questions that a lot of 
supervisors want to ask their employees, but they're afraid to, like, how long will the great resignation last? How long should we allow people to work remotely, and will it affect our productivity and bottom line? You can find this report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. And until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.